0: Well, good morning. I've got a question for you. Have you ever been somewhere where it was total darkness? Uh, All right, and maybe it was for me. I've got a couple I can think back to. I can think of camping up in northern Michigan. Uh, There's basically nothing up there. Uh, So there's no streetlights, no big cities, nothing like that. You go outside, outside your tent after dark, and you can see stars forever. We used to ice fish in the winter up there. You could see all kinds of stars that you'd never see uh, normally uh, with streetlights and things like that around. That was dark, or I think of uh, maybe like a cave, Mammoth Caves in Kentucky. We went once as kids, and you get down there in the caves, and they're nice. They've got lights running down there so you can see everything, and then they turn the lights off on you, and it's pitch black. You know, the kind of darkness that you can feel it. It's so dark, you know, it just feels like it's closing in around you. That was dark. Can't see your hand in front of your face. Uh, Or maybe it's uh, down your street. We don't have a lot of street lights on ours. Before all the Christmas lights got up, it was pretty dark. Thankfully, we got ours up yesterday, so now it's all nice and bright and exciting on our street. But why do we need light? So we can see, right? It's pretty important. I'd say it's a pretty important thing to have light Google the reason the light bulb was invented, and the first thing that came up was to produce light. So there would be light. That's why we invented the light bulb, right? So we can see. Think about back before we had electricity and light bulbs, things like that. Society, everybody kind of ended their day around 7, 8 o'clock when it got dark, right? They'd all go to bed at that time. I think that'd be great if we could still do that. But nowadays... We have lights everywhere, right? We've got headlights on our cars, street lights, uh, you know. So Taco Bell can be open all night long, so you can go there at 2 a.m. and get it. Yeah, it's a great thing now, right? Our society's going all night long because we have lights and we can do that. It's probably not a good idea to get Taco Bell at 2 in the morning, but that's a, a consequence of having those lights that we need. But you know, in life, we need light. It's important so that we can see, and it's also important in our spiritual life. Uh, today, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to see that uh, spiritually we need light as well, but because of our sin, our sin caused spiritual darkness. And today we're beginning a new series. We're starting our Christmas series, The Light Has Come. And before we see the light coming, though, before we, we get to that point of it, we need to see the need for light. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Why do we need light spiritually uh and in the beginning which is where we're going to start we'll be in genesis chapter 3 so you can flip over there it's page 3 in the bibles on the rows there but today we're going to see the very beginning that's where we're going to start our christmas series in genesis a little bit different maybe than most but we're going to see from there the need for light and in the beginning god created everything perfectly uh He created everything, and it was described as good. Uh, The last few weeks, uh, with our students at Fuse, we asked them uh, to describe uh, the best Christmas or a good Christmas. And uh, some of them said getting good gifts. Some of them said when family's all around. Uh, We had many answers, right, that describing just a good Christmas. So I want to change the question today and say, what would be a perfect world then? For many of us, maybe it would be uh, no more sin, no more sickness, Maybe it would be we'd have everything we need or wanted. uh, But that's what we see here in Genesis. In the first couple chapters, we see a perfect world. No divorce, no death, no killing, no anger, no hypocrisy. We see all of that here. God literally said it was good, meaning it needed nothing. There wasn't any issues with any of it. And that's where we leave off right before we pick up where we're going to pick up today we live with adam and eve living in pure bliss perfectly in the garden of eden everything going well god's asked them just to not do one thing he said hey there's this specific tree don't eat its fruit i've told you which one it is he says this tree right here just don't eat the fruit that grows on it any other tree Any other plant, any other bush, you're good to go there. He's provided them food. Just don't do this one thing. Easy, right? Easy enough. Don't do one thing. That's all you can't do. Not so much. So today we're going to talk about not so much physical light and physical darkness, but we're going to talk about spiritual darkness. Uh, Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. We'll read through verse 19 and we'll see what happens. With Adam and Eve here. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? So Satan, using a serpent here, comes to Eve and says, Can you not eat anything? Are you not allowed to eat from any tree? And Eve answers and says, The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. So Eve says, well, we can eat from almost all the trees, just not that one, and we're not even supposed to touch it. Now, in God's original command earlier on in the first couple chapters, he told Adam not to eat of it. So Adam probably said, let's not even touch it. Right, a good idea. Stay away from temptation. So let's see if they follow through with that here. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Satan here is, is trying to deceive Eve, trying to trick her. He says, oh, Eve, you won't die, but actually you're going to be like God. All right, that's what Satan says. Let's see Eve's response. When the woman saw the tree was good for food, it looked good, that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. She gave it right to Adam. They both ate. No other questions asked about it. And verse 7, after they did, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew "...that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings." Remember, in the garden, everything was perfect. Uh, They hadn't had the need for clothes yet, and this is when their eyes are opened. All of a sudden, they start to realize things. So let's see, verse 8, "...they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden." Every evening, God would come and walk with them, literally spend time with them, walking, talking with them, fellowshipping with them. He does that here, and now they're hiding in the trees. And the Lord God called to man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Now, God's not asking these questions because he doesn't know what they did or doesn't know where they're hiding. It's like you do with a kid or, or maybe your dogs or something like that. You're saying, hey, what did you do? What did you do that was bad? Tell me what you did. Who did it? He's just trying to get them to admit what they did. And then he continues on. Adam gives his answer. He says, the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, "'What is this you have done?' And the woman said, "'The serpent deceived me, and I ate.'" That's the first example of the devil made me do it, being used as an excuse. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, "'Because you have done this, "'cursed are you more than all the cattle "'and more than every beast of the field. "'On your belly you will go, "'and dust you will eat all the days of your life. "'And I will put enmity between you and the woman.'" and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. But thorns and thistles it shall grow from, uh, for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return." So we first off see in this passage what we call the fall. It's the first sin we see in the Bible. And we see God's response to this sin. And we know that God does respond to sin. He takes sin seriously. Uh, You know, many of us, we might look at this story and go, "Eh, they just ate some fruit, right? No big deal. It's just some fruit. They didn't kill anybody yet. I mean, it's just fruit. But to God, the issue wasn't... Just that they ate fruit. The issue was they didn't obey him. They didn't obey his one command. They rebelled against him. And sinning to God is a big deal. And we'll see why it's such a big deal because of the consequences that it brings in our life. Um, so today, let's see the consequences that we see from this passage, and we'll see the darkness that sin has brought in our life, and the need for spiritual light. The first one we see is sin caused darkness in our relationship with nature, our relationship with the world around us, the things that are set in natural order. Now, we don't own a big one, but our sin, the consequences of sin here, had a huge effect on everything around us, the world around us. Remember, God created it perfectly. He set up how it should run and the order of how things should go. So what changed? The first one you see is, is with the serpent, with some animals. Look back again, Genesis three fourteen. Uh, the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. So God now is talking to each individual person here that had a part in this sin, and he's giving some consequences of the sin. And number one, the first thing we see, you should stay away from snakes. I hate snakes. You should just stay away from them. you see that? It's a great one here, right? Uh, you see that right there. They're cursed. Just stay away from them. Verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel uh, it 's funny, but the snake was just an instrument Satan used here, but we see an important lesson for us is because of man 's sin, there was consequences for the serpent, there was consequences on nature, on things that weren 't just Adam and Eve, uh, and this is something uh, you know we 're going to see over and over again in this passage, but also all throughout the Bible, and that is my sin has consequences for more than just me. Uh, Our sin has consequences for more than just ourselves. You see, for Adam and Eve here, their sin brought consequences for really all of nature. Uh, The serpent saw it, but we now start to see death and decay brought into a perfect world after this. The snake here specifically was was, uh, told it would slither on its belly. I guess it's presumed that apparently snakes could walk or at least get up on their tail in some sort how terrifying is that you're walking down the road and a snake is walking next to you that's terrifying for me thankfully now they're wallowing on the ground in the dust I can hopefully outrun them and get away from them and you know that's not normally viewed as a good thing to say you're wallowing in the dust rolling around in the dust you're going to eat it unless you're like five years old or so and love playing in the dirt but you see here, that's where the snake's going to be. He's put down, can't walk around. He's going to eat the dust, the Bible says. And then we see verse 15. There's also going to be for Satan some ramifications uh, as well. There's going to be an animosity of sorts between Satan and between humans. We know that he's our enemy, the adversary. We see that. There also seems to be an animosity between snakes, the animals, and humans. Again, that's why I stay away from them. But we see an effect on animals here. We see an effect also, part of the curse, the consequences of sin in nature, is with Eve, the woman. Look back at the passage again, what the Bible says, verse 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So for Eve, the the curse, the consequence of sin here is really twofold for her. Uh, For her, she faces consequences both as a mother and as a wife in that relationship with her husband. And essentially, it's described that she'll she'll now face sorrow and subjection. Uh, That is, essentially, you see the sorrow first. She'll face great pain in childbirth. Uh, Remember, the world was perfect up to this point they didn't know what pain was they didn't know what problems were so they're probably hearing all this for the first time and don't even fully understand it yet and essentially she's going to face more pain than other animals face during childbirth that's that's part of the curse here part of the consequences of sin that comes up here she also has that subjection part of it. The relationship with her husband is messed up, and we'll we'll dive more into that. But briefly, her desire is now to her husband. Rather than them having a perfect relationship, how God intended it, to where they're working together. God described them, uh, her as a helpmeet to her husband, completing him, working together as a team. Now her desire is going to be to him, and he's going to rule over her. The Bible says consequences in marriage is uh, that. It's going to change how things were operating, change how God wanted their marriage to be perfect. Uh, It was supposed to be that, completing one another. And now the husband, instead of just being a spiritual leader, instead of working together, uh, now things aren't going to go as smoothly as God intended and relationships moving on from there won't go as smoothly as God intended. And you think of problems with marriage, problems with relationships, they're not new things. They all started right here. And God didn't intend marriage to be burdensome. He didn't intend it to be problematic, filled with anger or bitterness and fighting. God intended marriage to be perfect. But sin had consequences in that relationship. Uh, and the biggest one there that we see in this passage is marriage. And it's a recurring theme we'll keep coming back to over and over again, that sin causes consequences. Now, we'll dive just more into that relationship side in a moment, but see that our sin brought spiritual darkness and serious consequences into the world. The last one is, as far as nature goes, is the work. It's what's told to Adam. Look at verse 17. Then to Adam, he said, God says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I have commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is the last piece to darkness, the last consequence of darkness destroying man's relationship with nature. And God here tells Adam, first off, uh, he lets him know that you know Eve was deceived. Adam just chose to sin with no deception hearing it there. And so God uh, tells Adam that, hey, the consequence here isn't necessarily work. Sometimes we see that and go, oh no, now they have to work. That's not the consequence. They had jobs in the garden. They were to tend to the garden. They named the animals. They had responsibilities. The consequence, though, is how the work's going to be. It's going to be, the Bible describes, as hard, toilsome, burdensome. It's not going to be productive, would be a good way to say it. The repercussion here was the pain that was going to come from work. Uh, imagine this God says you're going to suffer while at work. And Adam's like, what does that mean? There's going to be pain, there's going to be sweat. He doesn't fully understand all of this yet. God tells him now the ground will literally be cursed. You're going to work harder than ever and see less fruit, literally less uh, production of what you're working on. Anybody like gardening, planting gardens, seeing stuff grow? You know there has to be a a level of work to it, right? You can't just throw some seeds on the ground, walk away, and hope to have a productive garden at the end. Um, You have to put some work into it. And if you know me, I love starting things. I am passionate about starting things. Um, And my family is like that as well. And I remember one year when we were young, we started a garden in the backyard, right? Mom had a great idea to do that. And we're all like, yeah, mom, we'll help you. Kind of like the dog, we told dad we'd take care of too. Yeah, we'll take care of it. And so dad built a nice raised garden for us. Mom bought the plants. She had us plant everything. And we took care of that garden fantastically for about a week. Uh, We watered it, weeded it. I mean, we took care of that thing and then neglected it. We got a few tomatoes from it, you know, from like the 10 tomato plants, like two or three. Uh, It wasn't a very productive garden. Nothing else grew. Everything died. We didn't take care of it. But see, now God's telling Adam, you're going to have to work even harder, and you're going to get less than what you were before. In the garden, they had a job to take care of things, but uh, it wasn't toilsome and burdensome like work was going to be now. Then, you look at the next part of the curse, there's also these things called thorns and thistles. We're uh, pretty knowledgeable about those, but think about Adam, hurtful plants. He had no idea what those were. Imagine him and Eve talking about that, like, what do you think a thorn is? Then Adam walks outside and steps on one and finds it. Like, they found out quickly what those thorns and thistles were. You see, now uh, we see this last consequence in nature. Work is going to be painful, hard, and unproductive, And the recurring theme comes back to again and again was their sin brought this consequence out in nature, a darkness in their relationship with nature. So we see first with nature, next look at uh, sin caused darkness in our relationship with other people. Look at Adam and Eve's response to each other Uh, When God asked them the question, you know, what have you done? What's going on? They look at each other. uh, uh, God says, and he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And right off the bat, the man, Adam said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. So he throws Eve, his wife, under the bus right off the bat. And the woman said, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. You see, they were supposed to complete each other, they were supposed to be helpers of each other, and now they're here right off the bat attacking each other. Adam throws Eve under the bus the first chance he can, and we talked about that slightly earlier, but the relationship between them now is going to have problems. Their relationship designed to be perfect uh, and complete each other in a perfect partnership and now look at their response to each other the first time they face a real hardship. uh, They instantly blame each other. And you know, we often wonder why earthly relationships are so hard. We often wonder why, why is marriage hard? Why is raising kids hard? Why is uh, my relationship with coworkers or my boss or, or other church members so hard? And we see it's from right here, the consequences of our sin. But we also see that the Bible talks about how important our relationships are with each other. Look at John 13, 35, what Jesus says about relationships and why they're so important. He says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus tells his disciples, if you love each other, people are going to see it. They're going to know you follow me. And the same applies for us. Now, here's the hard thing. Relationships in the garden were meant to be perfect. They were meant to be easy, and now they're not so much. Because of sin, that consequence comes in. We see how important they still are to God because it shows we're a follower of Him. We see darkness destroying this, and we say, okay, well, what's the answer? The answer is the next couple weeks in our series. You'll have to come back and hear them. Oh, I know, cliffhanger, right? Uh, Don't worry, I'll give you the answer maybe real briefly at the end, okay? Uh, But our relationships... They're hard. We also see the last thing sin causes darkness in is our relationship with God. Sin causes darkness in our relationship with God. The last relationship that darkness destroys is ours with the Lord. You know, man, Adam and Eve here had the ability to walk in the garden with God every night. They had fellowship with him. That's how God designed humans, is to have fellowship with him and worship him. And they could go walk with him every night, talk about their day, talk about what was going on, and commune directly to God. How amazing is that? That relationship with them was perfect. And that's what Adam and Eve had. And then we look at verses 22 and 23 and see the result and how their relationship with God is now. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, uh, knowing good and evil, and now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So God had this perfect garden designed for them, and he has to cast them out of it. They can no longer be there. They can no longer meet with him daily to walk with him face to face. God knew what they had done, that they had deliberately disobeyed and rebelled from him, and he had to cast them out of the garden. You know, life is about to get tough for Adam and Eve. All these things that we saw are about to start taking place, and now their relationship with God is also affected. Uh, You see, for us, it's the same thing. The question is, so what does that mean for us? Their relationship was affected, but what about ours? You look at Romans 5, and the Bible tells us before we trust in Jesus as our Savior, we're viewed as enemies of God. Our relationship with him is marred. Not because God no longer loves us, but because of our sin and our spiritual darkness. Uh, ultimately, that's what's caused problems. Sin and spiritual darkness. Uh, look at what Romans three ten through 12 says. Uh, Romans 3, verse 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. It says that multiple times there. There's no one good. Verse 10, no one is righteous. That means no one on earth has their relationship with God on their own, perfect. No matter the race, social standing, anything, because of darkness, our spiritual relationship with God has been destroyed. And no one understands, and no one is seeking after God. Because of darkness, that relationship is gone. And apart from God, there's no way to fix it. In verse 12, essentially, man has gone his own way, and is now viewed as useless, unprofitable, unrighteous. Because of sin and darkness, our relationship with God has been destroyed. And God designed us to have a relationship with him, and now that fellowship, that relationship, is broken. Wow, what a great uplifting way to start a Christmas series, right? Woo! But you know what? The good news is the Bible doesn't end it right there. And I think I'll be nice. Uh, You all want to know a little sneak peek to the rest of it about the light. I won't leave us in this dreary condition right here. Look at what the Bible continues to say. The Bible tells us the light has come. There is a way to restore this relationship. Romans 3.23 tells us uh, we've all sinned. We've fallen short of God's glory. We got that right. God's perfect. We've fallen short of it because of our sin. And Romans 6.23 tells us what we deserve the wages of our sin is spiritual death. And that doesn't mean just the lack of breathing and our heart beating here on earth, but spiritual death, separation from God. That means God created a perfect heaven where he wanted us all to be in fellowship with him after we die here on the earth, and now we don't deserve it because of our own sin. But that verse doesn't end there. It continues on and it says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. How many of us love gifts, right? At Christmas time, I love gifts. My birthday's also uh, right here before Christmas, so I love December. It's awesome. Uh, and the Bible tells us God loved us so much, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, to pay the penalty for our sin and to give us a free gift of salvation. Uh, and you know, the great thing about a gift is you don't have to do anything to deserve it. I said I had a gift for everybody on the way out today. You don't have to work for me. You don't have to pay me for it. You just have to take it with you. That's what God's gift of salvation is. It's free, and all we have to do is accept it. The Bible says believe in Jesus. Believe he has a gift and call upon him or accept it. If you haven't done that, my challenge for you would be to do that today. Jesus wants nothing more than to fix our relationship with him, as we go to our takeaways, the, the band will come up and they'll they'll play a song uh, as we get ready to close. But our takeaways for today are this simply: number one, if you haven't already, accept the light. If you're here and you haven't done that, will you do it? The light is Jesus. I hope I didn't spoil the rest of the series for you. The light has come; it is Jesus. It's why we celebrate Christmas. We're going to talk about it more in depth the next couple weeks, so I invite you to come back and hear from it the next two weeks and hear just how much, how amazing this gift of Jesus coming to earth was. But there's no reason to wait any longer to accept it. If you're here and you realize how messed up your relationship is with God, Jesus wants you to have a relationship with him and fix that today. Do that. Uh, would you do that today? And the second one, share the light. Invite someone to come hear about it. You know, Christmas is here. We believe the light's come. Jesus has come. That's what we're celebrating. So why hide the light? Why not share it? Uh, There's a lot of ways to do it, but you can bring people to come hear more about the light. At this time, let's go ahead and bow our heads, close our eyes just real briefly. I want to give us a moment. If you're here today and you say, okay, you have talking about the light. You're talking about accepting it. I've never done that before. I'm not going to call anyone out or embarrass you. I just want to give you a moment to take care of that if you haven't done that. It can be as simple as this, believing that Jesus died for you and loves you and accepting him or calling on him to save you. It can be a simple prayer uh, just like this, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Will you please come into my life and save me? Amen. Now that prayer isn't magical, but that prayer, what it does is just simply call out and say, Lord, I need you in my life. If you're here and you, you had done that for the first time today, I'd love to know about it. I won't ask you to raise your hand or anything like that, but you can mark it down on a card, drop it back there, or you can come see me, I'll be in the back. I would love to tell you more about that and answer any questions, as well as just celebrate with you. The Bible says when you place your faith and trust in Christ, the angels in heaven rejoice and celebrate over it. So we'd love to as well. At this time, I'm going to go ahead and pray, uh, and then we can stand and be dismissed. The band will play a song on our way out. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the gift of Jesus, Lord. Lord, I thank you for sending your Son to die for us on the cross. Lord, help us to take that and share that light and remember why we're celebrating this season, Lord. In your name, amen.